0: good afternoon everyone this is another episode of the off topical podcast my name is Gardner and I'm Ryan and uh, today we're gonna be talking about some pretty cool stuff what are we what are we talking about Ryan so today
1: we're talking about a couple stories and then we're gonna pivot into the home entertainment space uh, so nice. the first story we're talking about the end of the office um, it's uh, this article, There was also this Twitter thread that was kind of interesting. Mm. title of the article is, Is Going to the Office a Broken Way of Working? Which I would argue, yes. Yeah. Um, But we'll get into that. And then the second one is just a follow-up on a story we started talking about. uh, Intel building a foundry in Arizona. Well, this one is uh, TSMC, the largest chip maker on the planet, building a uh, chip plant, a foundry in Japan. And then finally, I want to leave us enough time to talk about uh, some different open source software you can use for your home theater and entertainment purposes. And we'll get into that last.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about this story from the New Yorker. Uh, is going to the office a broken way of working? Um, now this was inspired by like a Twitter thread by a guy named Chris Hurd who runs a website, uh, first base or not a website, but like a, a remote work infrastructure platform called first base. Uh, and, uh, I guess he was trying to get, um, he was trying to like get people out of like the office. Right. Mm hmm. And yeah, that's right. so it, with first base, I guess, uh, that he was like trying to get people out of the office. And when the pandemic hit, the audience grew for what he was trying to do. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So first base offers remote work infrastructure. And so, you know, it's, he, 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 uh, in 2019, he started telling people like, Hey, uh, there are a lot of problems with working in the when in the office when you compare it to the alternatives. So the alternatives are um, allowing your your team to work from home or co-working spaces, etc. cetera. And uh, and he was just trying to make this case that at this point it doesn't make sense to pay a ton of money for this uh, for this space. Which is based on this uh he 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 did use the best word for it um factory model, yeah where you know people are checking in, they're doing work, they're checking out, they're going home um it's a very strange uh concept for knowledge workers um yeah and and i I agree with that um and so he as a result of all this and he talks about how all this changed in the in the uh pandemic and i encourage people to go and read the article uh but ultimately he kind of laid out these predictions for the uh future and he thinks that it's very unlikely that a bunch of people are going to return to the office in these big cities mm-hmm. and so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about his predictions and see which ones we agree with and which ones we disagree with.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest, I, I definitely, I like that idea. Um, one of the, the things that like stuck out to me about his predictions was that, um, there was going to be like people moving out of the cities, um, moving out to like, you know, more remote areas. And, uh, that is definitely true um i i've seen that firsthand i I had a lot of friends uh you know i grew up in maine right maine is about as rural as you can get in in the united states like maine is entirely rural uh i think the biggest city in maine has like a hundred thousand people so or less than that even so uh i had a lot of friends who like left maine to go find work and most of them found jobs doing you know knowledge work as they say in the article and uh especially because of the pandemic, people started moving back to Maine in droves and you can't find property here now (laughs) because people are moving back to Maine and buying property.
1: Yeah. I I would say that my own observations back that up too. we, I have a number of friends who were living in New York city and, and uh, Silicon Valley and uh, San Francisco and places like that. And uh, a bunch of them, Move to much smaller cities or into um, you know not too many of them really moved to the to what I would consider the country to <laughs> to like out in the middle of nowhere um but a bunch of them moved to the much smaller towns and cities um yeah and it, it, I don't think many of them are going back no. uh I think it was such a nightmare, so many of them described just at the height of this especially in New York City and uh, San Francisco being stuck feeling like you were just stuck and uh, you move out to one of these smaller towns Um, a a couple people moved to uh, the town where um, my wife and I are building a home which is on Colorado and during the height of the pandemic people were still you know going and and doing some outdoor activities where they could be socially distanced and, and not have to worry. And so I I believe that. And I think that people are going to remember what it was like to live through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But also I think that, uh, once you get a taste of, of being out of the city and, uh, having space that costs a reasonable (laughs) price. Yeah. I think that's, that's hard to give up and uh, to go back to a tiny apartment.
0: Definitely. Um and you know the thing is like <clears throat> like you said a lot there were a lot of my friends have moved from like you know New York, Connecticut, uh Boston, you know, Massachusetts and stuff. They they've all moved back to Maine. They moved to like more urban areas in Maine. Um but like from from my point of view, if you have like doordash available you're not living rural (laughs) like if you could like just order food on your phone and have it delivered that's not rural living first of all
1: (laughs) yeah some people move to he notes here a lot of people moving to uh, what he considers second tier cities um how do i feel feel about that i heard i heard quite a few stories of that but uh, like Boulder was a popular destination for, mm. for some people. Um, yeah. but I, I saw a surprising amount moving to smaller towns. Um, not, not small, small, but because I, I, people probably don't know, but I came from a town of 300. Yeah. So not that small, not tiny villages, but right. you know, like, uh, we're talking like five ten up to fifty thousand people
0: yeah when when i was a teenager i lived in a town where there were more cows than people that's not a joke yeah like and so yeah. i and i've tried living in like uh in in urban areas i've tried living like i live just outside of um lexington kentucky and uh that was way too suburban for me like i missed you know the smell of uh, manure <laughs> like thats I really did i and so i I don't know i maybe I'm a redneck I hear I have you no idea
1: I don't know if we've talked about this, but you know that town of three hundred was where I went to school. we had a hundred k through twelve my family yeah. um we owned a farm, and so it was quite a change, <laughs> leaving home to yeah to go to school in what I would consider a pretty big city, and then of course, most of my professional life has been in a- Okay, size cities, two big cities. Um, yeah, but frankly, when you're when you're starting a family or looking at starting a family, I think COVID was kind of this opportunity to to ask yourself, like, do I really want to pay s- s- a ton of money? to have my family live in this small home or should I be going to, you know, somewhere where there's a lot of outdoor space and building a life there. And so long as they don't have to return to work, I would say it's easier to, to make that decision to live in, you know, maybe a smaller city or a town and, and have the, the bonuses you get from that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and if you're, there's ever something like the pandemic again, you know, you don't have to totally uproot your life or feel like you're stuck at the epicenter of something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. And so and with remote work, I mean, that's all possible, right? Like you can choose to live wherever you want. Uh, and that's like yeah. one of the huge benefits of it. Um because, yeah, like, and absolutely- know, it it made sense, like, back in, like, the 50s and 60s and 70s, like, when, you know, you know to do the knowledge work that they're talking about, you had to have, have access to the same filing cabinet, right? So, like, that made yeah. sense back then, um, more so than it does now, especially. But, like, now it's, it's, like, it's all abstracted away into databases that are accessible over the internet. And you can yep. work from home and get the same amount of work done more or less. And you can be available for your family and you know, whatever else like, and that is like so powerful, like that there's this fundamental shift happening uh, with the workforce. And you know, if you're not in like the service industry or, or manufacturing, you have the, you know, at least the theoretical ability to work from home. And, people should be able to capitalize on that I think.
1: Yeah. It's it's not just people too it's um businesses that are that are going to there's going to be some struggles and I know some people who I've heard some interviews lately with people who are running especially some of these very large businesses where they're kind of skeptical of of uh what this ongoing what kind of effect this will have on their productivity if it if it's just keeps going on forever. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of great things that you get as a result of not having everyone come into the office. For instance, not having to pay for a large centralized office. Uh, right. I've yeah. seen he, Chris notes here that lots of leases are expiring on office space and they're not being renewed. Uh Right. At the end of the day, that has to affect the bottom line, I assume positively, just because I have heard a couple of uh, friends of mine in this space talk about how much their company was paying for office space that they decided to to stop. And it was in, bo- in both cases I heard about it, it was very, very, very significant. Yeah. And so uh, if you just don't have to do that, I, you know, that's a. That's a nice cost savings. Not to mention all the yeah. things that go into keeping up of space. Um, right.
0: Well, like I, you know, heavy element was looking to to get a uh, uh, an office space, and by gosh, like it was so expensive to just to rent an office space, and then like like you were saying, like to heat it and to cool it and to you know have the electricity and the water set up like like the expenses are astronomical for for commercial space like that um yeah and so it's like the idea of having to spend like you know if if i was having to spend that and then all of a sudden i don't have to spend that amount of money like of course i'm going to take the don't spend it option you know that's i mean that's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for some of these spaces
1: and can i say something too There's it's harder to get workers back in now, especially that they've had so much time, Mm -hmm. I think, in part because you there's two pieces. The first one is people probably a few months ago just got their places and their workspaces into good shape. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know, I spent a year (laughs) getting this all sorted out. Everything's exactly how I want it. Now I got to go back, you know, and mess up my workflow again and relearn how to exist in an office. Yeah, which is a thing. And secondly, like you start to you so it's very hard when you're first starting out remote work. For me it was uh it was in 2018 that yeah. I started remote working full time. That first year was very hard. Um, to just get in a pattern that was productive.
0: Yeah, I feel that.
1: Um, but then once you get past that initial, this that initial like hurdle, well, then you start uncovering ways to be super productive, <laughs> and, right? Or and just also like you start building your life around that, and you realize, oh, these two hours that I was commuting or, you know, sometimes that's much less. But, uh, for me, my last commute was in Denver and you go to the train <laughs> and then you, you take the train and it all told, it's like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on just how many people are trying to travel at the same time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, when you get that back, <laughs> it's, it's hard to give that up again, especially once that becomes part of your, your daily routine because instead of riding the train you're sitting down in your living room you're drinking coffee you're reading or something and uh or you're getting the kids ready for school i don't know you know whatever it is the people got used to that so i think it's bringing people back to work is going to be a non-starter for a lot of people and some of them will probably just leave for remote jobs if they have to yeah but yeah, anyway, that's what I was thinking about through some of this this article.
0: Yeah. Um the you know the thing about the commute is like I was working a job doing I was like I had to drive an hour and 40 minutes a day um to get to work and come back, right? So, like my total commute time was an hour and 40 minutes. And um then I took a job that was like 3 minutes down the street from my house. And that um that time savings i was like i can do stuff with this and that's actually when i started my youtube channel like with those two almost two hours a day extra that i got back from not having to commute um Hmm. so that was that was like such a life-changing moment for me because i had been working that job for like two and a half years and i was used to driving that distance. And even, you know, in Maine, you have to worry about like when the snow flies and, uh, you have to drive extra slowly, like you'll be at work. And then all of a sudden it starts snowing and your you know, 35, 40 minute commute one way is now an hour and 20 minutes one way. Uh, and that like, you would just lose so much time from, from like inclement weather and whatever else. And so, yeah, it's, commutes are are like the killer part like that's the thing that i'm so glad i haven't had to deal with in, in years and years is is like insanely long commutes
1: yeah it you know he talks about some of this It it is if you read the article you also have to read the thread by chris because i think it's it's super interesting. And some of the stuff we're talking about, he kind of like one of them is commuting death. And, um, the, he, he, his prediction is that, is exactly what I said. People getting used to, to not having the commute and then no one just accepting that who has the ability to, you know, select between, a few jobs, you're going to say like, Oh, uh, <laughs> mm. even working aside, if you have a, if you have a job where you have to commute and one where you can just work at home, like you're, you're just probably not going to choose that. Right. Um, I think it's, we're going to live through a really interesting time as we watch companies deal with bringing people back. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw today that people, uh, quitting. Yeah. Super, super high, high, (laughs) high. It's been a long time. And, uh, and he, he says we're about to live through the highest period of turnover, um, in history.
0: Yeah. Hyper turnover. He calls it. And I agree with that. Me too.
1: I agree with that. I think that as, as companies continue to kind of decide what they're going to do going forward. Uh, if you, people don't like the way their companies are are going and not in just regards to remote work, I think part of this too is that they're at least in tech, there are quite a lot of unfilled jobs mm-hmm. and <laughs> you've got choices. So you've got choices and then you've got companies trying to navigate a really interesting period in history.
0: Yeah. And
1: I think that perfect storm will just result in a lot of people saying, you know, well, it's better over there, so I'm just going to go over there. Um, yeah. These are super fascinating. Yeah. Did, were there any other ones that stuck out to you that you thought like you absolutely agree with or, absolute, or 100% disagree with?
0: Um, I didn't see anything that I really disagreed with. I thought that like the idea of there being friction with, uh, between like employers expectations and employee expectations is going to contribute to um, that kind of hyper turnover. Um, and I thought that it was really cool. Like having, cause I've seen this here um, m- uh, the co-working spaces, right? Like, there is a lot to be said for the social aspect of working in an office. And like, you know, if you're, if you're like doing a job where, you know, you can afford to rent like a, a you know, a, a co working space for yourself and have the social aspect of working with other people in an office, but not have to do that. Like, uh, go into like your boss's office where they're over your shoulder you know all the time like that seems awesome to me cuz there is there i mean i live in a tiny town and there's two co-working spaces that have opened up during the pandemic and they're doing great wow. you know and wow. it's like cuz people you know people didn't want to just have to work from home all the time that's the thing like Sometimes you get tired of being in your house all day and you want to go do some <laughs> you know go go yeah. somewhere else and and work from there um, and 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 also like that also helps like your community like if you live in a small town and you're you're going to your coffee shops like local coffee shops to do work you get to you get to see people around town and you get to interact and and kind of build the social fabric of your tiny town. And that is so important as well. So, Well, companies aren't going to realize this for a
1: while, but co-working spaces are really great for knowledge transfer. Uh, I think a lot of companies who are smart will choose to pay for their employees to go to co-working spaces uh, if they want to, of course because when you're sitting there and you're working alongside somebody who has a job that is similar to yours but works for a different company and you're you're having water cooler conversations with that other person mm-hmm. and you say oh man like we're doing this and it's really rough and that person says oh we did that and we did x y and z and that solved that problem yeah I think companies are going to get a lot of value out of that because I know that's happened at co-working spaces I've been at, whether it's somebody saying something to me and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can do X, Y, and Z to do that, or vice versa. And and I thought that was kind of the superpower of co-working spaces is when you have these knowledge transfers happen that that are between organizations. Um, And so, yeah, I think... Because I think some companies are resistant and want to get back in the office because this is unknown territory and because they don't know how to manage this and control it and make sure everybody's, you know, at full, what they consider full productivity. Yeah. Um. But, and there are people who just, this is not the best way for them to work. Right. Um. And... And I don't know what the future looks like for addressing some of those issues, but I assume most of the time it's just things like co-working spaces, or or that, or certain people just need to work in an office. But uh, I think this is super fascinating, and and uh, I think it's just going to change work, and I think some really interesting stuff. Is going to come out of innovation as we work remotely from each other. Yeah, I don't know if it's more shared virtual spaces or what, but I think there will be some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, that comes out of the innovation of this. Um, but yeah, I've, I agree with this guy. Um, remote working is here to stay, and yep. and I think it's going to remain. Of, it will become at least for. People in tech, for sure, the dominant way to work.
0: Fascinating idea, fascinating uh, article, great thread. If you want to check it out, you'll check it out in the show notes. Um, uh, we'd like to know what you guys think. Send us an email: show at offtopical dot net. Next story, we have uh, Sony is opening a or or Sony is going in on a partnership with TSMC to build a new uh, foundry in Japan. Tell me a little bit about this, man.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's not just Sony, but it's but they're you know like kind of the headline (laughs) uh, company that's throwing in on this. No, I guess it's also some some of the uh, um. Car makers in Japan are also throwing in on this, of course, for reasons that we all probably probably know at this point, (laughs) given that cars are sitting on the lot without chips, (laughs) uh, waiting for those chips so they can be uh, sold. And uh, yeah, I I flagged this because we talked about Intel building some foundries and and we talked about a little bit about TSMC i think a, a few weeks ago yep and i was saying you know it's really not a great idea to have the largest uh semiconductor uh producer in the world sitting on an island that is contested yeah <laughs> uh, and uh potentially a flashpoint for some kind of conflict um and apparently TSMC agrees.
0: Yeah, they they heard the podcast maybe, and they, uh, uh, they're moving on it.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly. They heard us and they're like, "Man, those guys they're smart. We need to we need to do something about this." So, uh so yeah, they I know that they're doing this in Japan. I know they're looking at some other locations as well, and I'm sure because this whole chip shortage is like A central news story that's been covered throughout this past year. That this will uh, will continue to hear more about what about these new foundries being built all over the world to supply to for so so that supply can keep up with demand. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's why I put this in here. I thought this was this is interesting. I'm looking forward to a day that you will be able to not think about whether or not the thing the tech thing you buy is going to take a year to get to you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's crazy that you know that there's so much shortage in the supply chain and like this is this is good news i think for for everybody involved for i mean for the global market you know um I don't know why this popped into my head, but have you played metroid dread yet? Mm-mm. oh, are you a metroid fan
1: yeah i'm I'm not a hardcore fan. I have some friends who are very hardcore fans but yeah. but yeah i played i played uh the original metroid game and i
0: liked it the <laughs> the original metroid like on the uh, n e s
1: yeah where well, I think so it's where she takes off her helmet at the end and it's, a, yeah. and it's Samus. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's the l- That's and I played one on GameCube I think too. I oh, I don't yeah. remember that, that one as well. Metroid yeah. Prime probably. Um yeah. I I got it the other day and I it's already my most played game of 2021. Really? Like, oh man, it's so good. Like that that's my kind of game honestly. Like the if you have a game and it's it's like exploration and uh there's like an air of mystery and there are like doors that are locked and can only be unlocked by getting certain power-ups uh castlevania metroid uh axiom verge um Mm. i'm trying to think of all the other ones there's a whole bunch but those are my kind of games like i just love that stuff so
1: that's good that's good game design yeah it's good game design
0: Yep. And so no, it's
1: it's similar to the original in that way then. Yeah.
0: The... So the first Metroid game I ever played was actually Super Metroid for the NES or for the SNES. And that introduced me to the entire like genre. And I have been an addict ever since. Like and it's criminal that Nintendo has like neglected Metroid for so long. I mean, the last Metroid game that in this vein, like, uh, like side-scrolling original, like story and not like a remake or whatever was in like 2003 or four or something. Like it was Metroid fusion on the Game Boy Advance. And mm. it's like, this is like the first time that they've actually done like the continuation of the story. And, um, there are like a couple really awesome design features of, um, Metroid Dread that that I I attribute to Doom, like the new Doom games. Um, gotcha. There have you have you you've played Doom probably right? Hmm. Yeah. So like you know yeah. you, you know the glory kills where like you know you you damage an enemy enough and then they have the yeah um,
1: they turn red or whatever
0: yeah and then you can melee them and get uh, you know health and armor or health and pickups. I mean that was kind of a thing in Metroid, like you would when you would kill enemies in the game, it would give, it would recharge your energy and it would give you missiles and whatever. But like you get a lot more if you do like the quick time event to kill the enemy in Metroid dread rather than just shooting them. And I kind of see that coming from like doom, you know? Um, yeah. And there's just so much, like, it's just so much fun. And the exploration is, uh, On point, the controls feel amazing. Um, I could gush about this game for hours and hours. I don't know why this popped into my head. It's a total off topic.
1: Do you collect (laughs) chips to solve the chip shortage in Metroid Dread?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. No. (laughs) No. I, oh, no. You know what it was? It was that I was reading that there was speculation that there might be a delay in the release of the game because Nintendo needed to source parts for the cartridge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of Nintendo, uh, you want to get off topical? Um, <laughs> what do you think of the uh, OLED Switch? I don't think we've talked about
0: this. Um, I mean, honestly, you want to know what I think about OLED? I don't like it. <laughs> OLED, OLED, period. I don't like OLED screens. Like what's what's wrong? With, what's wrong with OLED? Okay, so like I had a, I don't know what it was. I don't remember what type of phone it was. A, it was an old phone. It had like an older, like just re- regular LED panel or not LED, but um, uh, LCD panel, and um, and then I upgraded to a phone with an OLED, and immediately. Like, my, I couldn't sleep anymore. Like it's like OLED panels. Whenever I use OLED, it screws with my, uh, you know the blue. You know you get the blue filters on, yeah, the, yeah. on your your, your uh, on your glasses.
1: The, the kind of circadian rhythm. Yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, like the OLED is the, is the worst
0: offender for me, and it it always throws off my my sleep schedule. Um, I don't know what it is. So. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stick with my original Switch.
1: <laughs> I was know? so let down by this. I was so let down by the OLED Switch. I yeah. I when before it was announced, you know, when they were like, when we knew there was a new Switch coming.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: And uh, I just was. My brain was like, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I didn't know what I thought it was uh, a next generation Switch. Um, or, uh, I, you know, I didn't really expect a switch Two, um, and I, and a switch pro, cool. I, I guess that was kind of in my head, but I just thought it would be more substantial than just like, yeah, we put a different screen on it.
0: Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, I, everyone was expecting like the, uh, the new Nintendo 3DS, like how they were, how they called it, like the new Nintendo 3DS, where it had like an extra analog stick and like all that stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, but you know, but Nintendo is quintessentially painfully Nintendo. And like for, for all like the interesting, innovative, interesting, like cool things that Nintendo can do. They just hate fun. (laughs) Like Nintendo hates fun. They, they like go after community projects, like another, uh, 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 another metroid 2 remake am 2r like they they go like take two does that too and it's insane like Mm -hmm. why would you do that to your fans um and like they they just they never do like what what the fans actually want like how long did it take for nintendo to make a new proper 3d mario game like similar to uh you know, Super Mario sixty four. I yep. mean if you look at Galaxy, Galaxy, I mean, while it was three D, it was far more linear than um the three D Mario games had been. Yeah. Uh, and it was and I mean even um Mario Super Sunshine. Sunshine. Yeah. Like they were both they were both closer to like the original Mario games where you had to go from point A to point B, get to the goalpost, win win the level. Um and it took them like 25 years or something to go- to get back to the you know the open fun exploration stuff and I mean yeah. I like Mario Galaxy it's fun um but Mario Odyssey is probably the best Mario game ever made in my opinion it's so good like I have a Nintendo Switch for 3 games Odyssey Mario Kart and Metroid Dread and that's why I play my Switch. Like, I don't think I've played it hardly at all other than for those three games.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think what I... Like, my favorite games on the
0: Switch. Um. I mean, I have, wow. like... I have, like, N++, and I have, like, um... What's that other one? Like, a, a couple of, like, the... Oh, Stardew Valley. I have a couple of those, like, indie games on there. Um, because that's just fun. Like to have, like, going around. But the Nintendo Switch is also, like, really uncomfortable to hold. Um, I have, like, arthritis in my hands and it holding that, the Switch like that, like, just kills my hands. So, that's why I'm, like, super stoked for the Steam Deck, because ergonomics.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know, I, I picked it up originally, well, why I wanted it was, um, was to play the new Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, m- but my wife and I, that we go to that console quite a bit to play games because it's couch co-op, yeah. you know, it has, a, there are quite a few games that are couch co-op, which I think we've at least talked about this before. I'm not sure we've talked on that podcast, but I really miss couch co-op games and so many games come out now and, and there's just no way to play with the person next to you yeah and that's I think just annoying so the but the switch has a quite a few titles that are couch co op um yeah yeah and i and then there, you, <laughs> so lately I've been playing when I play fortnite with my family <laughs> I play <laughs> it on the switch because it's just so much easier to just pick that up and play than to actually sit down. at the desktop computer and and play and so yeah well i'm glad i'm glad you i like glad you like the new new metric i'm i am i agree with you i i love that like nintendo hates fun with how you opened (laughs) (laughs) opened that part i didn't know where you were going with that but uh but i agree i agree uh but man yeah but I'm glad that I'm glad that there's a great Metroid game out there. You've inspired me to pick it up. I'll pick it up and I'll play it. And
0: awesome. And let and, you know what I think about it. And you can also play it um uh we, on Yuzu, the Switch emulator, and it works great and you can play it in 4K.
1: I didn't even know there was a Switch emulator. Oh, bro,
0: yeah. But don't pirate the game because I don't know if you heard about this, but like Kotaku like uh, said oh yeah if you play metroid dread on an emulator uh it's like the best experience that you could have and <laughs> and like nintendo fanboys lost their mind and said that like kotaku was like promoting piracy and all this stuff no if you're gonna play <laughs> metroid dread buy the game because it is absolutely worth the 60 bucks it's so good i love it Uh Man. i am yeah
1: it's it's not pirating if you own the system and you own the game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you right? actually if you have if you have like if you want to use Yuzu, you actually have to um, uh, you have to uh get like what do, what do they call it? Jailbreak, whatever it is. You have to you you have to like get your switch into you know custom firmware, and then you have to copy over the encryption keys so that you can actually decrypt the game, so you can play it no. like. That's So you have to own a Switch and you should, I mean, you don't have to, but you should own the game if you're going to emulate it um, because it's, yeah. I, I even heard that, like, you, you know, um, Link's Awakening kind of has, like, frame rate issues. Did you hear about that? Mm-hmm. You can I actually, didn't hear about that. If you have a good enough computer, you can play Link's Awakening, emulate it, and not have uh, frame rate issues, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. <laughs> Well, you know, I've I have had
1: issues um, on uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, a couple times oh. on the not on the television, not on the yeah uh, switches or yeah, that's right on the television, not on the yeah. switch
0: itself. That's another um, one of my play uh, games that I have on the Switch. I love that game. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm it's excited for the second one. Anyway, we've gone way off topic. Oh, we didn't even have this we in have. the show notes.
1: I will add <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, switches they they have they have chips. <laughs> um, yeah. no, oh, Japan, Japan. Japan they're they that counts. Nintendo is based out of
0: Japan, yeah. so you know, I see it. I see <laughs> yeah. it. Nice. Good good save. All right. So, uh you want to move on to the last uh topic for today? Yeah, let's do it. So, uh
1: you've you've got your TV and uh and you wanna you wanna watch things on it um but you you don't want to use any of that proprietary crap that's floating around whether <laughs> it's a dongle or something so so you decide you're going to you're going to use open source software uh to watch your movies and your shows and listen to your music and we're going to talk about different different pieces of software you can do to do that so uh so tell me, Gardner, you seem like you have probably actually a lot deeper uh, knowledge in this space than even I do. Uh, what, what's your home theater look like? Do you, are you using any of the software that we're going to talk about today uh, in yeah. your home theater setup?
0: Yeah. So um, I actually am a big fan of Jellyfin. Um, and if you're not familiar with Jellyfin, it's actually an open source fork of MB. Uh, mb was uh pretty cool and it was a good alternative to plex uh and jellyfin is is up is up there like up there with uh with plex in terms of uh just being able to stream content from your server to uh to any device in your home or even outside your home network um mm-hmm. it's it's really cool uh I have done a couple of videos about Jellyfin on my um on my YouTube channel and uh I really like it. Now, truth be told, I am actually using Plex right now in my home setup um just because uh, reasons. It's a long story, but um <laughs> uh but Jellyfin is is super um, flexible and it has like a plugin system, I believe that you can use to, to expand it and to do other cool things. And, um, you can even do like live TV and use it as a DVR if you have the right equipment, um, for your PC. So, um, yeah, Yeah. and you asked about like my home media setup. Um, so I have a, uh, you know, I have like, um, a home theater surround sound system set up and I have a NVIDIA shield plugged in to that. And then it goes into my TV and I stream all of my content from my home server, which is in the other room. It's in my office actually. Um, and the cool thing is you can actually use your home server set up to, uh, if you have the right hardware, you can like, uh, compress the, the, uh, the video in real time. You can read, you can transcode it to, uh, any other formats you might want. Um, and, uh, I actually used it when I went to Denver, uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I, um, what did, what did I do? You can like download your video files from your, um, computer from your server and you can watch them offline. Um, and so I, I downloaded like, a whole bunch of uh, Arrested Development (laughs) that I had, and uh, I watched, like, half of a season when I was flying out to Denver. So, it was cool stuff. That's awesome.
1: I, um, I'll be honest, I haven't used Cody for probably a year. And, uh, and I used MB up until, oh, I don't know how long it was, um, but before the it was before the proprietary license change. Yeah. Uh, and I've been aware of Jellyfin, and I I haven't given it a try yet. What I'm most curious about is is uh, is with Kodi, I remember there were some add-ons, if I remember right, that you could install for streaming services. Um, yeah. Do you know if that's a thing? Like, the... the how many of the modern streaming services are are there?
0: I'm trying to look um, at
1: their add-on
0: list. So the thing about the add-ons with Kodi is that um, they're not like officially supported by any of the streaming services. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing something like Netflix, which I believe they have like a Netflix plugin, it's basically going to be um, either you know a Chromium-based solution. Um, or something like that. And, uh, so yeah. you're, it's just, you know, you're you end up with, uh, a uh, suboptimal experience with that kind of thing. Um, the, the killer feature of Cody is like managing your local files. And, uh, for me, I like to keep all of my media on, uh, on my remote server. And so I, I, and I don't like to have like my media files, accessible just over like a Samba share or something. But if you were, yeah. if you, if I were to be running Cody, then I would have to have them available over a Samba share. Um, so that I could access it like as if it was a part of a file system or something. Um, yeah. So I, I do like Cody for what it is. Uh, it's basically like a media player, uh, and, and organizer. Um, but I, f- for my use cases, I think that it's overkill in the wrong ways, and it doesn't meet the kind of needs that I would, you know, that I have, I guess.
1: Well, I I think, uh, I think, so uh, here's what I feel about this. Um, Jellyfin probably will set that back up again. Uh, and just have, you know, my library accessible from all the devices in the house. That sounds like a really great, great idea. Yeah. Cody is this weird one for me because I remember using... And, you know, the having, you know, the emulators installed and stuff and having this great television interface is, is cool. But ultimately... um if I'm gonna tr- if I'm gonna use a, uh, I guess a media center, uh, you know it's it's likely to be one that supports accessing the stuff on Jellyfin along with the other streaming services that I use, and so yeah. th- that's just how I feel right now. I guess I need to put Cody on something and and give it a try just to see if I still feel that way. But, you know, oftentimes I, I want to have access to everything yeah, <laughs> through kind of one interface. And, uh, and I really, really want Cody to be a part of that story or something open source to be a part of that story. And I wouldn't mind so much if it was just Chromium, <laughs> You know, but presented to me in a way that like is that I can navigate with a controller and and like feels good. It doesn't do anything really bad or if if it's not too buggy. But uh, Jellyfin though is definitely something that I know I'm going to set up again. So.
0: Yeah, uh, Jellyfin is nice. Uh, th- there's a couple things like I have issues with, like, and it's not just Jellyfin. Like Plex has the same issues. Um, I don't know about Cody though, but like the biggest issue that I have with with Plex and Jellyfin is that like when you have your, uh, you know, you 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 rip your DVDs, you you rip your Blu-rays, right? And if it's a video, if it's a TV series, um, Cody specific, or not Cody, Jellyfin specifically has this issue where if you don't have the files named correctly, like it then it like has issues. Like so, um, for example, I have uh, um, Star Trek The Next Generation right? And uh, when I ripped my Blu-rays I just, I had an organized um, it was like Star Trek The Next Generation and then every season was its own directory and then inside it, it would say oh, 01 um, you know, whatever the episode name was. And Jellyfin would not even detect that Star Trek The Next Generation was in my, my, uh, my Blu-ray rip folder. And I was wow. like, what is going on? Like, why can't I watch Next Gen? <laughs> so, I figured out what you have to do is name all of your files "S one E-O-1 or whatever, you know, according to where it falls. So you have the season 01 and then the episode number, and it has to be S01, E01. It can't be, like, a space between it. It has to be that way. Um, Yeah. Which is bananas to me. Because, like...
1: I remember that with... uh, Maybe it was Envy whenever I was using it or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like, why can't you just use... Um, like audio recognition, like audio fingerprints, like they with uh whatever you call it. What's that thing that that you can y- listen, Shazam, right? Mm-hmm. Why can't you do that, but with TV shows, so you can figure out what it is? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't quite understand why it has to be done that way. Um, yeah, that at the very least, like there should be some kind of
1: uh, I don't know. Yeah, there. I remember whenever I was missing, and I'm pretty sure it was. It was, which would make sense because it would have been inherited. Um, but just recognizing some key things that are recurring in the file mm. names mm-hmm. that, like, could put a order to it would even be good, but you know so you don't have to just nail it just right um yeah. but yeah so what you're saying is is your complaint with Jellyfin is you have to kind of sanitize your data or whatever you have yeah. to you have to go through some kind of process of getting it ready uh i bet there are tools out there to help with it, though yeah and the, you know plex the was the to-
0: plex was the same way though like plex had kind of the same issue like i had um Battlestar galactica that i ripped off of blu-ray and um mm-hmm. uh, when i i ripped it it decided that like it just wouldn't show up in plex and i'm like why is it not there so it was the same issue it wasn't named correctly um so i've wow. learned since then but like i don't know i'm the kind of guy here this is the thing like you were you were saying like you want to have all your streaming services that you use in one place um and that would be nice but like I'm the kind of guy who needs to, like, own his, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing. Like, I need to have all of my series on Blu-ray. I need to have them on DVD if they're not on Blu-ray. And I need to rep them myself because (laughs) I I just have to. I don't know why. But um, (laughs) I like seeing it on my shelf, first of all. That's, like, one of the nice things about it. Um, I like collecting things. You should see my... PC box, big box collection. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, like the nice thing about like Plex and Jellyfin is that you can, you know, do the hard collecting, you know, and also Uh enjoy the benefits of streaming. Um, and you own it yourself. And that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think. It's just a matter of, for me, it's it's that I have all these these videos, and I do have I do have quite a few of them, movies and shows that I've purchased, and they're you know they've been ripped and they're on these uh, on a couple hard drives, and and sometimes I'm like, man, I want to watch that, and it used to be that I had you know a setup whether it was Plex for a while and then was MB and. You know, I always had a way to to get to those. And even earlier this month, I was thinking, like, man, I really want to watch the Matrix films. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And, you know, it's easy now to just stream them via service if you already are paying for that service. But to have them and to not have access to them kind of sucks. And it sucks, too, to have to you know, break out a device to plug into the television to watch, you know, especially if it's like something that you had on. Uh, But, yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that that we didn't have on this list? Like Jellyfin and Cody, is there anything for like movie watching, for instance, that movies and TV shows that we left off that, you know, the Internet should yell at us for?
0: Hmm. Um not not as far as I know. Um Plex and Jellyfin are really like my two favorites. Um Yeah. Is there
1: anything else in the Cody like like Cody that you would say, you know, you've heard of or
0: Well, you know what I was thinking of when you mentioned Cody? <laughs> um was do you remember Boxy? vaguely yeah like is it still around i don't think so but like uh maybe it is nope it is definitely not um (laughs) (laughs) i like i like looked up the wikipedia article and i clicked on their website and it takes you to the new york times (laughs) okay Uh anyway um so boxy was like this awesome like little uh home theater pc thing and they had like a hardware layer and they were based on xbox media center and um and i just remember being like dude i want that thing so bad like that was my first uh exposure to the idea of like a home theater like a dedicated piece of tech for my home theater setup do, 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 you, do you do you remember that like that was like my jam back then
1: i don't i don't remember that i don't remember boxy and if anybody hears this sound it is my my dog me. oh puppy! <laughs> yeah uh I, I you know what no this does look familiar to me yeah this does look familiar it's uh yes I remember this yeah
0: they had hardware yeah they had, like, they had like a special, like, remote that you could get. And they also had, like, an actual... It was, like, a cube with, like, an, a corner cut off. And it would sit... Oh. There. Yeah.
1: I do remember seeing this.
0: This is cool. I forgot about this. Dude, the, that, was what, box. The, that was what... That was the boxy box, exactly. That was the first thing that came to mind when you said, Cody. I, I don't know why. Why but, didn't I own this? I don't know. I, I want this one. This seems there. like... This <laughs> seems like this would have been the perfect time
1: for this to be out. And like, <laughs> right up my alley. I don't know why. Yeah, these. <laughs> I would. I would like to have another thing like this.
0: Yeah. Uh. Anyway, I. I we're we're old, dude. What the hell? <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree. Like, I, I agree.
0: I was a, I was an actual adult when this thing came out. I remember. Uh, I had like I had been out of high school for two years when this thing was released. Wow. <laughs> Damn. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> that was 13 years ago. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I I mean, I I think that's everything as far as I uh as far as I know of. If you guys know of any cool uh media streaming or like media watching uh media consumption apps, let us know cuz we're <clears throat> we're always looking for new and interesting, uh, like self-hosted stuff, especially, um, as you know, both of us are, are about to be home owners living in our homes. Um, so, and, and we're both going to be doing a lot of like self-hosted, uh, you know, smart home stuff. So let us know, uh, what you think. Let us know if, if there's any cool apps and, uh, home automation stuff that we should be looking into cuz we're we're down for that um but Ryan I yeah. think I think that's uh I think that's going to do it for this episode what do you think
1: Yeah this is a this is a good one
0: <laughs> Yeah as usual we're 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 pretty uh, we're pretty good on these now aren't we <laughs> Yeah Cool well uh thank you all for listening we appreciate you being here as always and uh we'll see you in the next one See you in the next one